Dream to Reality Entertainment presents the Think Tank Podcast. And now, coming to you pre-recorded, deep undercover, in the world's deepest, darkest, most secure, Hadron Collider and Nuclear Bomb Tested and Approved Doomsday Bunker, here is Ryan the Area Man! Rape Inquiry is dropped, but his legal problems... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, and then he went on to, like, release a bunch of shit, so... So he basically is accused of sex assault. There's accusations and from these chicks or whatever in Sweden, I think. Okay. And so, but I don't know what his position was before that. Like, who fuck who who the fuck he was? You know what I mean? Right. But he's in an Ecuadorian embassy in London, and that's where he's like holed up. So. And then I guess Sweden dropped the rape charges against him. But he, because of what he released from, like, the Podesta emails and mm-hmm. all that shit, I don't know, it seems like um, the you know, the United States wanted, like, was going to charge him for something. I don't know what the exact charges would be, but probably for re- releasing, I don't know, who the fuck knows. Right. But part of the deal was um, they make this deal. I'll read the article, but... He's, you know, if he, he would basically be absolved of anything, any of the charges with the United States or whatever. So, so I'm going to read this. basically a giant pardon. Yeah. But there's kind of like a deal, like you do this for me and I'll do this for you. Okay, you see, you hand job job my hand hand job in the cabin and I'll hand job you in the cabin. Okay. You really (laughs) like that fake movie. (laughs) That doesn't exist. Uh, all right, anyway. All right, so let me read the article, then we'll listen to this thing from Anonymous. Okay. And, uh, all right, so... A GOP congressman reportedly offered Trump a deal on absolving WikiLeaks Assange. Uh, Representative Dana Rohrabacher reached out to the White House to offer a possible deal to get WikiLeaks Julian Assange out of legal jeopardy, according to the Wall Street Journal. Assange would offer alleged evidence that Russia did not provide hacked emails released by WikiLeaks last year during the presidential election. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, because they're saying that they did hack. Like, uh, what's her what's her what's her tits? Uh, Hillary was saying that Russia did hack it and got him to win. Right, that's yeah. basically what she's saying. Yeah, he's is, got proof saying that they didn't do it. Right. Okay. Um, so it's not a super long article. It's like three paragraphs. That's fine. Republican congressman perceived as sympathetic to the Russian government tried to strike what he described as a deal with the White House to get WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange out of legal trouble with the United States government. In exchange, Assange would produce alleged evidence that Russia did not provide the hacked emails released by WikiLeaks during the 2016 presidential election, the newspaper said. The release of those emails appeared intended to damage the Democratic Party in an election that the Republican Trump won. In a phone call with White House Chief of Staff John Kelly on Wednesday, this was back in September of 2017 when this article was written. Jesus. Um... Representative Dana Rohrabacher, uh, Republican from California, described a possible agreement to pardon Assange or something like that, in quotes, 
The journal reported, the U.S. government is looking into WikiLeaks' release of secret government documents in 2010, though it has not formally accused Assange of wrongdoing. Rohrabacher's reported offer comes as a special counsel appointed by the Justice Department and congressional committees to investigate Russia's role in influencing the 2016 election. That includes looking into whether the Trump campaign and the Kremlin coordinated. Trump has repeatedly denied any connections with the Kremlin. Rohrabacher is seen as sympathetic to Russian President Vladimir Putin. In May, a report said fellow GOP lawmaker Kevin McCarthy once joked that there's two people I think Putin pays, Rohrabacher and Trump. <laughs> a White House spokeswoman did not immediately respond to CNBC's request for comment, since CNBC could not immediately reach Rohrabacher for comment. Or they may, didn't, may not even try. Because that's one easy way to do it. Well... I couldn't uh, write. I'm going to write this article, but I couldn't couldn't get a hold of that the president. Uh, he couldn't be reached immediately for comment. Not immediately, but I'll I wanted just, to send this out. But I didn't even fucking attempt it either. So, you know, mm. it is what it is. Um, so, anyways, um, let's listen to this uh, doodad here because it's from anonymous and it's pretty crazy because this thing is talking about an assassination plot on Trump in this whole thing where they were going to he was going to go to London, it was going to happen in London, they were going to blame it on ISIS Mm -hmm. and and like this whole thing and they kind of like found all this out and exposed it. Wow. So this is pretty crazy. This is from Anonymous, the hacking group and somehow they found this shit. I don't know. So I'm going to play it and let's have a listen. Greetings citizens of the world. World holds breath after Julian Assange agrees to Trump's terms and elite Russian forces obliterate CIA base. A tensely worded new foreign intelligence service, SVR, report circulating in the Kremlin today states that within hours of elite Russian Spetsnaz forces obliterating the CIA base in Syria behind a plot to assassinate President Donald Trump. WikiLeaks leader Julian Assange posted to his Twitter account the long-awaited martial attack message signaling his acceptance of Trump's terms and that has now left the entire world holding its breath in fear as to how the American shadow government deep state will respond. According to this report, Julian Assange is a long-time known U.S. intelligence operative whose WikiLeaks whistleblowing website is a CIA-created and operated deep cover organization that has split with the deep state and whose factional war embroiled the 2016 U.S. presidential election by their releasing tens of thousands of Hillary Clinton and Democratic Party emails, and who, also, after Trump won, began releasing some of the CIA's most hidden secrets. Note, it is illegal under U.S. federal law for some holders of top security clearances to click on this link. In fearing that Julian Assange would begin posting further CIA secrets, this report details, President Trump began planning to free him from his forced deep state confinement in London's Ecuadorian embassy, but with the plan eventually meeting failure when, on 25 December, the U.S. Office of Naval Intelligence posted to the U.S. Navy Twitter account the words Julian Assange thus signaling they were preparing, at all costs, to keep Trump from freeing Assange. In fearing that President Trump was going back on his word to free him after the U.S. Office of Naval Intelligence posted their ominous 25th of December Julian Assange warning tweet, this report continues, several days later, 
On 1 January, Julian Assange posted a cryptic tweet featuring a 60-character code along with a link to the music video Paper Planes a code referring to a dead man's switch intended to trigger the release of documents in the event of his death, and whose exact lyrics state, if you catch me at the border I got visas in my name. And I've got more records than the KGB. So, uh, no funny business. In response to Julian Assange's 1st of January warning, this report notes, President Trump, on 3rd of January, shocked the deep state to its very core by releasing the bombshell news that he had just authorized his attorneys to file a motion in U.S. federal court absolving Assange of committing any crimes against the United States, and whose details about are. In a motion filed with the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia on December 29, 2017, in the case Roy Cochran v. Donald J. Trump for President, Attorneys for President Trump argued that Julian Assange had a right under the First Amendment to publish the DNC in John Podesta emails, even if the emails were stolen. The case was orchestrated by Project Democracy, a group run by former attorneys from the Obama administration, arguing that then-former Trump campaign adviser Roger Stone had conspired with the Russians to publish the DNC and Podesta emails. In a 32-page motion defending the Trump campaign, Michael A. Carvin of the Jones Day Law Firm, attorney of record representing President Trump, argued that the Trump campaign, and by inference Julian Assange at WikiLeaks, could not be held liable under the First Amendment for a disclosure of stolen information if the information published deals with a matter of public interest and the speaker was not involved in the theft. In making the argument, Trump's attorneys relied upon Bertnitsky v. Vopper. 532 U.S. 514, 2001, a labor union case in which the Supreme Court ruled a radio station had the right to broadcast a stolen tape of a phone call between the chief union negotiator of a Pennsylvania high school and the chief union negotiator together with the union president. With President Trump in his shocking U.S. federal court filing showing Julian Assange that he still intended to free him, this report continues, the next plan to accomplish this feat involved Ecuador granting Assange citizenship and diplomatic immunity, but that the deep state thwarted by getting London to say they that they would not honor Assange's diplomatic immunity. President Trump, though, this report explains, didn't fear London as he knew that his official state car, U.S. presidential limousine, is covered under the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations, whose diplomatic immunity includes not only embassies, but, also, diplomatic vehicles, houses and offices, thus meaning that a U.S. official state car could enter into the Ecuador Embassy compound in London, sovereign territory, take as a passenger Assange, diplomatically immune, then transfer him to the sovereign U.S. territory of Air Force One step from car to aircraft stairs all of which would entail Assange never having to step a foot upon UK or EU soil. Note, this high-level transfer tactic was perfected by the US and Soviet Union during the Cold War for spies discovered in a host country in order to prevent their prosecution, that is publicity. This high-level transfer of Julian Assange to the United States, this report further details, was due to take place during President Trump's visit to London next week but that Trump had to abruptly cancel after Russia discovered the deep state was planning to assassinate him while he was there using bomb-laden combat UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles, the U.S. Office of Naval Intelligence and CIA were perfecting the deployment of in Syria, 
with Trump's false flag death then being blamed on radical Islamic terrorists, that would, most assuredly, ignite World War III that the deep state desperately needs to cover up their soon-to-be-revealed crimes. With President Putin knowing full well what the U.S. Office of Naval Intelligence and the CIA were planning, but who only publicly stated we know who you are. This report continues, he ordered elite elements within the feared Third Guard Spetsnaz Brigade, the world's most efficient killers, to immediately deploy to Syria, and who, within 72 hours, located the main CIA base these terrorists were using and obliterated it killing all of its top commanders and destroying their combat UAV storage depot. Within hours of President Trump receiving confirmation that this on a CIA base in Syria was destroyed, this report notes, further communications were made between the U.S. and Julian Assange, and that Assange replied to by posting to his Twitter account a photograph containing a chessboard, unaccompanied by any text, showing a move from the Casablanca versus Marshall chess game of 1918, considered in one of the greatest defensive games of all time, known as the Marshall attack and prompting suggestions that Assange is preparing a checkmate. With the deep state becoming so desperate in their trying to keep the fake Trump-Russia collusion story alive that the CIA is now, outrageously, begging America's top music artists to flood their highly viewed social media accounts with these lies, this report concludes, U.S. intelligence operative Julian Assange represents their gravest threat, and is due to him having written and videotaped evidence proving that the late Democratic Party data analyst Seth Rich, not Russia, leaked all of the emails to WikiLeaks, and for which Rich was promptly murdered immediately after his meeting with the top aide of Democratic Party leader Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and that has the Democratic Party, to this very day, still refusing to release the links they have between Rich and WikiLeaks. Hmm. The fuck? There's a lot of information in there. Oh yeah. Um. Hmm. So, I was just looking at Assange's Twitter account. Um. So they're saying that he was—he's a deep cover CIA operative. <clears throat> yeah. So basically, what they're getting at is that the CIA is split between a good faction mm-hmm. and a bad faction, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> the good faction kind of is broke off and then like let's just say Julian Assange was CIA maybe not like in but maybe they like he became an asset at some point right so then the the good side is getting him all this information kind of and you know he's using other sources too like that Seth Rich who was right. killed and all this and it's releasing all this shit because he's like in a way it's like uh, so you have the bad half which is the same thing in the FBI. You have the good and the bad. Mm. Um, and doing all this, it's, I don't know, it, it makes sense that you would have a good and bad, but so you have the good trying to basically expose the bad, right. and the bad's trying to cover up the all, all their right. shit right. that... Because they can't run, operate otherwise if they're, you know, um, fucked up. I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've never heard that before. There's that chess piece or chess 
picture was talking about. To me, this makes me... Is this like a checkmate? You know what I mean? I don't know by looking at it. Let's see. So that's a... Is that a king? And that's the queen? And that's a king? Or... Yeah, well, it wouldn't be checkmate because you can move the king to the this to the right king, one. Right? Yeah, he can move the king to the right one, the black king. This one, there. Oh, what no, the fuck is is this checkmate? Because he moves down here, here, here. Is this the? Well, that's not the horse. No, that's the bishop. What is? So this only moves diagonal. Yeah. So this isn't check. I wonder what this is. What's so, this picture? Is this the queen, then? That's a queen, yeah. Okay, then, yeah, so if he goes down here, he's fucked. Oh, yeah, it is checkmate. Yeah. So no matter where the king goes, it's checkmate. So black has white checkmated? I don't... That's what's confusing. I got... Okay, so it's... And then this, with this giant fucking code here. Have you ever seen the video of those paper planes? MIA paper planes? no. I've heard the song. I don't recall it being about what they're saying it is. Maybe let's yeah, do the, play the lyrics. Let's do the version with the lyrics and see if we can make sense of any of this. Yeah, it's this song. Everybody's heard it, right? Maybe you haven't. I'm sure you have, though. It's kind of catchy. song but it's annoying as fuck You remember when we had, a long time ago, we first started Think Tank, we had uh, Rose, the Cirque du Soleil, yeah, yeah. and she was in that band, Dot, Dot, Dot. Yes. This was her song that she would sing, because they would do a couple covers mm-hmm. when they were Dot, Dot, Dot. And this is the one she would sing. So this is, I actually heard this song for the first time from her, and I thought it was one of their songs, and then I heard it on the radio or something like that, and I was like, oh, they must have done... A cover. Whatever. Right. So that's the first time I heard this song, but I don't understand where we're getting the whole... Let's see, I'm trying to... Alright, pirates, skulls and bones, sticks and stones, weed and bombs. Running when we hit um, lethal poison through their system. Okay. No one on the corner has swagger like us. Hit me on my burner prepaid wireless. We pack and deliver like UPS trucks already going... Hell, just pumping that gas. Okay. All I want to do is... And take your money. Third world democracy. Yeah, I got more records than the KGB, so uh, no funny business. Some, 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 I... 
some I murder, some I some I let go, some 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 I okay, repeat it. All I want to do is so that's pretty much the lyrics, and then it, it does talking about the. Uh, uh, you catch me at the border. I got visas in my name, so I don't know what it really is getting at. Is, is he saying yeah, that he's got visas? He's, you know what I mean? No, yeah. it's kind of interesting. <clears throat> um, what I don't like is that most of his Twitter accounts in a different fucking language. But he's not American either. Right. Um, oh, wow. That's interesting. Leaked emails show that the Hillary Clinton campaign secretly promoted and protected Trump. Hmm. hmm. Why would they do that? Why would she... I mean, so they, is that article saying the whole thing's a fucking sham? It's what it sounds like. Well, let's read this. This is all on Assange's Twitter, so if you just go there, you start looking at it. They always wanted Trump. Inside the Clinton Team Clinton's year-long struggle to find a strategy against the opponent they were most eager to face. Well, let's read it and see what they say, because now I'm curious. Who's this by? Associated Press? Uh, Politico. Okay. All right. A set of tables stood where the bed should have been in the 12th floor Manchester hotel room. Hillary Clinton's aides were using as a New Hampshire war room. It was February 6th, and their candidate was 44 miles east, desperately trying to excite New Englanders at a Portsmouth rally after limping out of Iowa, essentially tied against her challenger. But New Hampshire was a lost cause, and her team knew it. So instead of watching Clinton deliver a speech, members of her senior team huddled around the television in the room that served as a home base for campaign chairman John Podesta, manager Robbie Mook, chief strategist Joel Benenson, and communications director Jennifer Palmieri. They watched in shock as the man they had feared most as Republican nominee tanked under an assault that was designed to boot him from the GOP primary race. By the end of the night, the narrative was set. Marco Rubio had just lost it all on the debate stage across town from that Radisson hotel room, stuck in a robotic delivery of canned lines under Chris Christie's brutal cross-examination. In Brooklyn headquarters, staff in the 11th floor nerve center called the Nevada room broken to giddy laughter every time the increasingly desperate Rubio repeated himself. But back in Manchester, the new reality hit Clinton's inner circle like a ton of bricks. There might be no one left who could stop Donald Trump from clinching the Republican nomination. Uh, quote, when Rubio got taken out in New Hampshire on the debate stage, that was a moment when I said, okay, this looks like it, said former New Hampshire Democratic Party chair Kathy Sullivan. He was the golden child at that point and then was just destroyed. That's when I realized that there was something bigger going on, added one of Clinton's longtime friends and advisors who remembers watching in disbelief, feeling in the moment that the ground was shifting underneath the campaign. Trump is a master manipulator and a master of the counterintuitive. He knows exactly how to get things done. It's disgusting to watch, but it's effective. Well, yeah, you get stuff done by grabbing by the pussy. <laughs> I never did that. <laughs> Even with that view emerging so early in the contest, it would be 16 more weeks before Trump clinches his party's nomination. Clinton's team would struggle in the ensuing months to land on a strategy that would stick. Within days of that February GOP debate, Clinton's aides started considering how to redraw the battleground map it had been relying on for well over a year. 
assessing Colorado's and Virginia's swing state status and rerunning the numbers on suburban white women and young Latinos. They would direct the Democrat to try out and ditch one campaign slogan after another. And as she finally wriggled out of the primary to face Trump, the strategy was still evolving, producing dramatic tactical shifts from embracing disaffected Republicans to firing up liberals, from previewing an uplifting closing stretch to savaging Trump with an unprecedented television ad barrage. All right. Uh, I asked Clinton, I asked a Clinton staffer about this, said Sullivan, who around that time briefly went online to research Irish double citizenship out of her revulsion with the Republican nominee to be. He said, well, you know, now we have to save the Republic. It was a great paradox after nearly a year of virtual certainty and outright enthusiasm about their ultimate opponent that her team would swing between overconfidence, denial, and disbelief as it struggled to concoct an electoral formula after stopping Trump. It was supposed to be Jeb Bush, if you ask Democratic honchos in mid-2015, except when it was always supposed to be Scott Walker. Eventually, they insisted it was always supposed to be Rubio, but it was never supposed to be Trump. Clinton Circle's initial planning for Bush began even before the Democrats' wipeout in the 2014 midterms. In an October 31, 2014 memo, informal confident and longtime friend Sidney Blumenthal mapped out a confidential path for Clinton, which she then forwarded to aides Nick Merrill, Bryn Craig, Huma Abedin, Philippe Reigns, and Cheryl Mills with the note, Worth Discussing Elements. Mills then forwarded the note to campaign manager in waiting Mook and Podesta. The Republican presidential campaign will begin on November 5th, Blumenthal wrote, If Jeb Bush doesn't run, there is no viable establishment candidate. If he does run, he will be subjected to an unprecedented assault that might culminate in a splintered party, even a third party. Around that time, an increasingly political, politically engaged Clinton started telling friends and political advisors that she expected something close to a classic battle about the economy against the Republican establishment's choice. Six months later, Clinton associates wariness of Bush, wariness of Bush and his likely financial firepower was still acute, Democratic pollster uh, Celinda Lake wrote to it. Clinton advisor Minion Moore. What a name, Minion. <laughs> Not spelled like Minion, but uh, to warn her that she'd been testing Bush's economic message for a client. It has been remarkably strong, getting even half of African Americans and Democrats and two-thirds of Latinos. Some thought it ended too harsh, but the perspective on the economy has really worked. Now, we didn't tell people this was from Bush, but it's a warning. So to take Bush down, Clinton's team drew up a plan to pump Trump up. Shortly after her kickoff, top aides organized a strategy call whose agenda included a memo to the Democratic National Committee. This memo was intended to outline the strategy and goals a potential Hillary Clinton presidential campaign would have regarding the 2016 Republican presidential field, it read. The variety of candidates is is a positive here, and many of the lesser-known can serve as a cudgel to move the more established candidates further to the right. In this scenario, we don't want to marginalize the more extreme candidates, but make them more Pied Piper candidates who actually represent the mainstream of the Republican Party, read the memo. Pied Piper candidates include, but aren't limited to, Ted Cruz, Donald Trump, Ben Carson. We need to be evaluating the Pied Piper candidates so that they are leaders of the pack and tell the press to take them seriously. It's interesting, the 
the strategy put behind mm-hmm. a campaign. Yeah, but it doesn't really come out yet and say that they were all about Trump in the well, first Well, we haven't got that far yet, yeah. I don't think. I think it's coming. Um, while the campaign also kept a close eye on Rubio, monitoring his announcement speech and tightly designing the tweeted responses to his moves, Clinton's team in Brooklyn was delightedly puzzled by Trump's shift into the poll position that, that July after attacking John McCain by declaring, I like people who weren't captured. <laughs> God, he's so fucking outspoken. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eleven days after those comments about McCain, Clinton aides sought to push the plan even further. An agenda item for top aides' message planning meeting read, how do we prevent Bush from bettering himself, slash how do we maximize Trump and others? They wouldn't have to work very hard at it, though. The debates were the beginning of the end for the candidate Clinton's team always thought she would face on Election Day. The day after the first debate in August, Clinton confidant Neera Tandon emailed Podesta her analysis. Bush sucked. I'm glad Hillary is obsessed with the one candidate who would be easiest to beat. Besides Trump, of course. (laughs) That kind of says a lot right there. Just like everybody, I thought this was a Bush against a Clinton. That's all it was going to be, said former Wisconsin Governor Jim Doyle. When I saw the first set of debates, I would turn them on in an entertainment mode to see what Donald's going to... To say today. It was funny. Clinton aides finally started to see Trump as more than a tool to destroy Bush. In fact, Mook took him so seriously that his team's internal, if informal, guidance was to hold fire on Trump during the primary and resist the urge to distribute any of the opposition's research the Democrats were scrambling to amass against him. That hoarding plan remained in place deep into 2016 as some senior aides stayed convinced that a race against Trump would be a dream for Clinton. But as others kept insisting on tweaking the long-term plans against Rubio and Cruz, convinced the GOP would ultimately coalesce around the Floridian. Much of the original playbook was still intact. As late as the last week of October 2015, a private memo from Mook to top bundlers invoked Bush's fundraising power, and it was until the December holiday season when Cruz and Trump emerged as PAC leaders, and Podesta was telling fundraisers in closed-door meetings that he thought the Texan would win, that the team realized it was not prepared strategically or tactically for what many saw as a dream scenario. If Trump was going to stay competitive, a rethink would soon be needed. Trump's dominance of cable news had already become a point of frequent discussion among Clinton aides led by Palmieri and a media advisor Mandy Grunwald, and senior staffers started to whisper to each other that a race against Trump would require a fundamental rebudgeting of the ad scheme to combat it, another look at the expected degree of negativity in the attack plan, a reconsideration of the markets on which to focus, and a conversation about the amount of money needed to fund the air assault. The first time I realized that he could compete was when, after calling into Morning Joe and calling into CNN, he called into another show, said a former elected Democrat who remains in close contact with Clinton. I said, wait a second, up until today, if the president, any president, George W. Bush, FDR, Eisenhower, if they were at the beach or decided they wanted to play golf, but then their staff decided they had to go on TV, they couldn't just say, let's call in. No, you have to go in. He started to manipulate the media and change the media. That concern crystallized on January 28th, when the then-frontrunner skipped a GOP primary debate to hold an event of his own and drew all the night's buzz in the next day's headlines, both in Des Moines and Washington. Bleary eyes across Brooklyn opened wider. Campaign pollster Benenson told friends that that month that Trump was now on track to win. So too did Bill Clinton, who increasingly 
who, increasingly the subject of Trump's barbs at the time, was growing worried that his unpredictability, about his unpredictability, sorry. Uh, personal friends told the candidate she should start preparing for an ugly fight against Trump, who in late December had just pushed her into a rare moment of public introspection as she spoke with a 10-year-old girl about bullying in Kyoto, Iowa, the afternoon after Trump said Clinton got schlonged in 2008. Is that the one where it was, like, staged? Yeah. She was given the question? Yeah, yeah. Um, Rubio's high-profile crumbling shortly thereafter was the first inflection point. The Trump threat was more real than ever to Clinton's operatives who stepped up their paid research efforts and began more seriously discussing how a Trump electoral map would differ from Cruz's. But a distraction in the shape of a 74-year-old Democratic Socialist Vermonter prevented Clinton from making a hard pivot. The stretch immediately after New Hampshire was the darkest for Clinton, who suddenly faced the prospect of a substantially harder primary than expected while Trump started looking inevitable across the aisle necessitating a rethink of her long-term electoral plan. Democrats with an access to Clinton's ear thought Cruz had a chance to turn his fortunes around. Once more, southern states voted in March, but much of the lingering doubt was eliminated on Super Tuesday once Trump, like Clinton, took a slate of states as diverse as Massachusetts and Alabama after blowing through South Carolina and Nevada. Clinton's strategist's initial reaction to Trump's blaze through the primaries at the time was giddy disbelief, but back in New York, the anti-Trump plan and machinery was still barely begun. I know you can't look past Bernie and March primaries, senior Democratic strategist and Clinton veteran Joel Johnson wrote to Palmieri in February 20, February, on February 26th, one week after Trump won South Carolina and four days after he won Nevada. But who is in charge of the Trump Swift Boat Project? Needs to be ready, funded, and unleashed when we when we decided, but not a half-ass scramble. The final Trump research book still was not finished, and Clinton's slow pivot away from Bernie Sanders and their expensive primary was far from over. Eager to begin the general election, she began speaking against Trump after the March 15th primaries, declaring, Our commander-in-chief has to be able to defend our country, not embarrass it. That night in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, she quickly dialed back the effort when Sanders made clear he wasn't going anywhere by kicking off a winning streak the next week. While the ground team and inner circle focused almost entirely on dispatching Sanders, leading Clinton aides started to get more frequent updates on the anti-Trump polling and focus groups that studied the most potent lines of attack against the self-described billionaire, yet they resisted the seething series of entreaty entreaties? from donors and allies in conference calls and private meetings to have the candidate start directly, directly attacking Trump on the trail. Wary of appearing to be looking beyond Sanders' challenge and keeping the example of Rubio's demise in mind, Clinton's camp remained terrified by the prospect of a seven-month schoolyard scrap. The longer you can avoid a brawl, said veteran Clinton fundraiser and friend Alan Patrickoff at the time, referring to the nonstop calls for her to knife Trump early, it's distracting. It takes you into the gutter with him. While Clinton jumped from caucus state to primary destination, one of her most significant strategic shifts was just then starting to be designed back at headquarters. A handful of Clinton's leading strategists firmly insisted that Republicans would not nominate Trump until the moment Cruz bowed out. But Clinton confidence, confidants were by that point nonetheless convinced that they'd likely have to pair Barack Obama's scale ground game with a pricey scorched earth paid advertising campaign in the battleground states to overwhelm Trump's television mastery. That would necessitate a nonstop focus on a high dollar fundraising 
from Clinton, her husband, and surrogates are under the direction of finance chief Dennis Cheng. In the meantime, the question was where exactly that ad war would play out. Clinton's discussions with other Democrats had for months revealed that she believed her path to victory relied on cutting a swath through the upper Mississippi and upper Midwest. A race against Bush or Rubio would make Florida much more difficult and force her to lean more heavily on Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, and Pennsylvania. In such an election, Virginia and Colorado would be squarely within the first tier of battlegrounds. But the Democrats' polling showed that Trump's appeal was fundamentally different from what she'd been planning for requiring a large-scale shift in time and resources between the states. His historic unpopularity among minority communities was one thing, but his stellar performances among less-educated Caucasian men also... (laughs) Wow. His stellar performance among less-educated Caucasian men also... Stupid white guys. Yeah. I can't believe they actually put that in there also gave way to a steep drop-off among college-educated whites. Facing an unprecedented opportunity for a Democrat among that group, Clinton's strategists suddenly saw Colorado and Virginia look as blue as ever, with Iowa and Pennsylvania and their higher concentration of lower-educated voters taking their place as central swing states. GOP-leaning North Carolina and its growing population of recent college graduates joined that group before long. Florida was back on the table, too. Trump's dominance with Older, high school-educated white males is remarkable. That's a group that's been trending away from the Democrats and toward Republicans for a long time. He has driven away college-educated whites, said longtime Clinton strategist Paul Bagala, an advisor to pro-Hillary Clinton Super PAC Priorities USA Action. So what Trump is doing, and this will be his legacy when he loses, is handing the suburbs to the Democrat Party. Democratic Party. Wow. When he loses. Did he lose? Put more bluntly, according to a senior Clinton advisor who saw states such as Virginia, Colorado, and Wisconsin removed from top-tier discussion only in the early summer as Clinton's battleground team advanced its budgeting and in-state advisors flew in for a Brooklyn huddle, with Trump's potential appeal as an instrument of revenge among white voters, it was clear early on that he would scramble the map. (laughs) So they're saying white voters were going to vote for Trump because... They're racist and hate black people. Yeah, and, and that's why they voted for him. How long have they been saying that? They've been saying how, how fucking so racist. Just because, oh, where we're going to get the most. If you if they would have voted for Hillary, I could argue the same point. You voted for a white woman because you hate black Obama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck if it's her or him? I don't understand that. Why does it have to be about race? Everything is, dude. And that's what they're getting at with that statement right there. Yeah. Instrument of revenge among white voters. That is complete and utter bullshit. Anyways, the result was a flurry of activity in the states as they reshuffled their priorities and moved to higher operatives. To me, it felt like they were pre-Trump, not sure what they were going to do here, said Steve Shale, Obama's former Florida state director. They had, at best, a skeleton crew here in the primary that left right after, and there weren't a lot of calls going around to see who would staff who was available. In Pennsylvania, meanwhile, where Trump promised to compete, they mapped out a plan to drill down on Clinton's advantage with the state's more educated voters. Mitt Romney was seen as acceptable in the Philadelphia suburbs. Hillary will win the suburbs by at least 250000 double what Barack won the suburbs by. If the candidate was John Kasich or Rubio... There is no doubt in my mind they would have kept Hillary to the same 120000 that Obama got, 
said former Pennsylvania Governor Ed Rendell, an ex-DNC chair and longtime Clinton family friend. Must be a pedophile. Gotta be. Around, still alive. Yeah. Around <laughs> early May, then, Clinton's ad team drew up a plan to blanket the swing state soon after her still-raging primary against Sanders came to a close. Organizing resources flooded North Carolina, Florida, Ohio, and Pennsylvania by the end of the month. The national polls started tightening. Legions of Trump skeptics fell away. I admit to being suckered into every narrative that predicted Trump's demise over and over, said Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy, a Clinton ally. I admittedly was a pretty consistent skeptic that they were ultimately going to nominate this buffoon, so I probably <laughs> came to the realization that he was the nominee as late as anybody. Wasn't Chris Murphy a big uh, pedophile, too? I have no idea, dude. There's so many of them, right? or at least alleged ones. Who knows? Um, I was in denial for a very long time, added former Vermont Governor Howard Dean, the one-time presidential candidate and DNC chair. I tell people I was wrong for 52 weeks in a row starting mm-hmm. in June. Mm-hmm. Until two weeks before the Republican convention in Cleveland, some Democrats in or near the Clinton headquarters argued vociferously for the campaign to maintain maintain contingency plans in case GOP mockers deciphered a way to oust Trump. The big fear in Democrats' mind, and it wasn't a huge fear because it was entertaining to think about, was the chaos on the floor of the GOP convention if they tried to deny Trump the nomination, explains South Carolina Democratic Party Chair Jamie Harrison. That hesitance loomed large as Clinton started to turn more forcefully toward Trump, casting about her for a message. The campaign's concerted effort to start publicly defining Trump through coordinated candidate and surrogate communications began in earnest only in June, 12 months after the celebrity had announced his campaign in the first place. Aiming to replicate Obama's 2012 job of painting the Republic perception of Romney early, stick the knife in, is how former Obama campaign <laughs> chief David Plouffe described the goal to West Coast donors at the time. Clinton strategist looking at the focus group results settled on painting Trump as divisive, ditching the risky tag they had applied to Trump in May after Guy Cecil, or is it Guy Cecil? No, it's Guy. Guy Cecil head of the Priority Super PAC, sent a clear message to the campaign through a Politico interview that his group had found that such a description of Trump didn't work. Then, just days away from formally taking the nomination, Clinton dug in on the notion that Trump was unfit for the job, delivering a contempt-filled speech in San Diego that left the candidate herself feeling like she had finally cracked the anti-Trump code, a sentiment reinforced by the flood of private plaudits she then received from donors who'd spent the previous months predicting doom. It was around that time that her team quietly made the the last in a series of slogan switches, printing a batch of new campaign signage declaring Stronger Together, but only after considering 83 other options, as outlined in an email (laughs) attachment, circulated to top aides nine months earlier. The previous iteration, Fighting for Us, disappeared without a trace. I thought it was I'm with her. No, I remember Stronger Together. Yeah. When, when when did she do the I'm with her shit then? I thought that was one of them. Maybe it was earlier on. It's either earlier on or right afterwards when they did the whole he's not my president bullshit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, it was far from the final tweak in a campaign that has since featured tonal shifts as democratic or as dramatic as touting Meg Whitman's support one month and directly wooing Sanders voting millennials in a bid to stomp out any third party troubles the next 
as jarring as a mid-September shift to positive speeches while increasingly brutal negative anti-Trump ads continue to roll from ad strategist Jim Margulis's team into the air. Jesus Christ, that was the longest fucking sentence I've ever sentence, written. Dude. Or I say you wrote that. <laughs> Look at how long that is, dude. I know that is one <laughs> sentence. That in itself is a fucking paragraph. Yeah, pretty much. Damn, I didn't even have time to breathe. All right. <laughs> as incongruous as spending months highlighting the separation between Trump and rank and file Republicans before turning on a dime to try and use him as an anchor to sink the rest of the party. Another long one. Let's get some commas in there or something. Yeah. Give me a chance to breathe. For Christ's sakes. All right, we're almost done. And now, with hours until polls close, Democrats' year-long divide is as deep as ever between those who see a once-in-a-generation opportunity to drive a stake through the Republican Party and those who think a mold-appending candidate like Trump has made for the toughest challenge in years. After all that, the final margin is unlikely to be a blowout, and it's unlikely to be a squeaker. But Clinton at least got the opponent her aides wanted and a strategy to stick to. Correction. An earlier version of this story attributed a February 26th email to Joel Benenson that was, in fact, sent by Joel Johnson. Oh, completely different version of the story now. <laughs> I like how... Well, they have to put that in. Yeah. Anyways, so that article's not recent. That was, like, when before the election was even won, I think. Well, yeah, but... It's interesting. I still don't gather the fact that they wanted Trump. Yeah, I didn't get that either. I didn't get that at all. Um, it's weird. Anyways, so going back to that uh, anonymous thing that we listened to, mm-hmm. um, the interesting part to me in that whole thing, all right, so one, they were going to use Trump's presidential limousine to transport Assange, which right. holds some fucking like clout or something because it's a presidential vehicle. Well, yeah, it's got dip- diplomatic immunity. Yeah. They can't do anything to him, and it's bulletproof as fuck. Yeah. So, yeah, and and he'd have the security, and they were going to transport him in that. Mm-hmm. But then Trump had to cancel his trip to London because the Russians uncovered a plot to kill him. Mm-hmm. Like, this is insane Yeah, to me. I don't know. And, and it makes me wonder, like, how true is all that then? So now I want to say, I can't imagine there's no article out there. Like, huh. Oh, it's false. Oh, Snopes says it's false. Snopes says, <laughs> no, there's a, Snopes says a different one's false. Oh. oh Russian okay. television host Dmitry. Kisilyov exposed a plot to kill Donald Trump. Well, Snopes fact-checked it, and it's false. Even though you could probably go watch Russian television and hear the fucking guy say it, but it's false. Mm-hmm. So that didn't actually happen. Or, or maybe the claim is false. I don't know. Either way, Snopes is false. Maybe I'm going to create the website, SnopesIsFalse.com. There you go. SnopesIsFakeNews.com. Don't use fucking Snopes.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. People, there's another, people actually believe the FBI is plotting to assassinate Donald Trump. Well, why wouldn't they? They were behind the fucking uh, assassination of 48 people in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. along with ISIS, which was funded by Obama and Hillary. Uh, Isn't that eligibility? 
Allegedly. Yeah. Eh. I mean... Russia denies JFK assassination plot before Trump? When, when did we ever say Russia had anything to do with JFK? Oh, no, there was there was things back then. Saying, oh, Russia. I remember the mob. Dude, they're everything. There's so many angles. Yeah, there was like 40 to 50. And that was done by design, I think. Um, let's see. What I hate about Google is when you're like looking for something, how they mm-hmm. bury what you're looking for. Well, yeah, they have to. It's irritating. I remember we did this before we found it on like the fourth page, third page, or yeah. Something, yeah. Um, well, that's in two thousand. We want something. All right, here. Let me. Let me. Uh, Russian car bots doesn't Trump in London, twenty eighteen. To be a little bit more specific, and I'm sure we'll get stuff from 2012, because I put 2012 apparently. Yeah, that's all 1717. 17. Six. The memory. Okay. All right. What is this? What the fuck just happened today? Dot com. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck just happened today? Dot com. That's an actual website. Yeah. <laughs> New York Times. That's the 2012. That was a Putin assassination. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next page. So I want to know where they are reading because they're in the anonymous thing. They're reading an article, right, or part of an article that says all this. I want to read the entire article right. for myself. And when I put in 2018, stop giving me articles that were written in 2012. It's fucking irritating. You know what I mean? Yeah. 2016. They're giving me years that aren't even fucking... Oh, God. Is there any good search engine anymore that hasn't been fucking... Have you tried Bing or... What's that? What's that Jeeves? Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. They even have that still? I imagine Ask Jeeves still... But that's bullshit, though. That yeah, everything's fucking. Hmm. Like when I, I put in Trump, and all they want to do is give me shit about JFK, too, and how Putin uh, is Putin in my thing here. Well, you got Russia. Russians uncover plot to assassinate Trump in London, 2018. How more specific can I get? Not Putin. Russians uncover plot to assassinate Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm pretty sure you have uh, Dick Durbin in there too, right? Oh yeah. I mean, Trump comes up with name for Dick Durbin, and it's hilarious. Where the fuck does that have anything to do with anything? Because it was in 2018, January no. 15th. Uh, well, let's see. What did he give him? He's got a nickname for everybody. So let's see what he gave Dick Durbin. Dicky Durbin. That is. Hilarious. Wow, it's original. Where did he come up with that one? I mean, there's this article. Oh, Trump comes up with a name for Dick Durbin. It's hilarious. Are they being uh, facetious or facetious? Not facetious. Facetious? Or are they they're being, sarcastic? They're being bolivious. Are, are they being sarcastic in that headline? Or do they actually think it's funny? Like, <laughs> they think it's funny. They're just stupid. <laughs> I mean... Do you follow... DJT on uh, Twitter? Trump? Yeah. I don't know, dude. I don't think so. I don't, maybe I do. I don't know. I'm just curious. 
I really don't go to Twitter that much. I don't really. I try to stay off social media as much as I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're. I think anything pertaining to Trump's assassination and all this, they're just burying everything. Yeah, it's going to be page like 2019. Hmm. 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 No, that's not it. I thought we might have had something there for a second. Um. So yeah. I don't know, I find it all interesting, though. So, if they did thwart this deep state uh, CIA thing to fucking kill him, I mean, that's pretty big. It's huge, as they would say. Yeah. Um, But I'm still kind of confused. So, they're going to... So, Assange isn't going to be guilty of anything. He's going to get... You know, a full pardon. A full pardon, basically. But he's also going to be the ambassador to the United States for Australia? For Ecuador or London? No, Australia. He's in the Ecuadorian embassy right. in London. In London, no, right. Sanj Ambassador. Australia. So I saw something about this, and this is like real recent, too. Supposedly. Alright. Um. Here's a. Here's from ABC. In Australia. WikiLeaks. Ecuador wants Julian Assange out of its embassy. Deporting him to Australia is one option. So maybe this is where they come up with this whole nonsense about him being the... Assange was accused of raping two women in Sweden in 2010 and was subsequently arrested in London. He was released on bail whilst fighting extradition to Sweden, but after losing his appeal in 2012, he sought asylum at the Ecuadorian embassy in London. He's been there ever since 2012. Extradition? What's that? What was that? Who? (laughs) The way you said extradition. It's funny. What did I say? You said the extradition or extradition. Extradition? Something, yeah. (laughs) Um, It's been in the small embassy in Knightsbridge ever since. Sweden has subsequently dropped all investigations against Mr. Assange, but he continues to fear extradition to the United States. (laughs) His website, WikiLeaks, published leaked intelligence from the U.S. and thought, and though... And although it has not sought his arrest, Mr. Assange is concerned the U.S. is still considering prosecuting him. Uh, why did he seek asylum with, an, with Ecuador? Ecuador's president at the time, Rafael Correa, didn't he used to be a goalie for the ISOs? <laughs> was a vocal critic of the U.S. and an ally of another high-profile U.S. critic, Venezuela's Hugo Chavez. Ms. Assange... It says Ms. Assange yeah, had previously interviewed Mr. Korea for a television program, and the pair appeared to strike up a close rapport over their shared distrust of the U.S. Mr. Assange then chose Ecuador as his best option to seek asylum when he lost his appeal against extradition to Sweden. So this is what I'm confused about. Like, if if you're not a member of that country, if you're not like a national citizen, how can you stay there? 
Well, like, I didn't think you could get to, in. They have to approve it. I mean, it's yeah, not like I, you can just walk in well, and be like, yeah, I'm going to rent this room. No, no, I get that. I get that. But I mean, I didn't think you could even go in there unless you were a member of their... No, I think you can go in any embassy. It's whether or not they're going to protect you. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, if you're in another country, you probably wouldn't want to go to... Uh, like, so we're going to Ireland. I don't want to go to, like, Bombay's fucking... Or, like, Ecuador's or something. Like, yeah. you would probably try and find the... U.S. Embassy, mm. because that's where you're going to get the most protection if you did something there. However, right. it's one of those things where the U.S. and Ireland have, like, you know, they're they're together. You know what I mean? Right. So you wouldn't want to go somewhere that would... So, like, if you, if you did something illegal in Ireland, it would probably also be illegal in the United States, which means the United States probably wouldn't help you out. They would probably say, no, we're going to now arrest you. For them, mm-hmm. so you'd be better off going to uh, a country's That's embassy, a non extradition. Is it? Yeah, like Russia's over there or something. Mm-hmm. Where they would be like, "Hang on a second, we'll protect you." Kind of like Snowden, right? right, right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Or something like that. Okay. Somebody that may be on, like, if you think you're being wronged mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, that's kind of how I think it goes. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. So they want him out. So what can happen to him now? ANU professor of international law Don Rothwell has been following the case closely. He believes there are only a limited number of options that can be negotiated. As things stand at the moment, I think there is really only two prospects for him, he said. Those prospects are safe passage to Ecuador's capital, Quito, or deportation. Safe passage could be granted to him to go to Ecuador, where he would continue to enjoy diplomatic asylum and protection, Professor Don Rothwell said. The problem for Mr. Assange taking up Ecuador's offer of asylum has been getting to the South American country. Oh, yeah, getting him there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The moment he leaves the embassy, the U.K. is likely to arrest him for breaching his bail conditions when he sought asylum after losing his appeal. Uh The U.K. could agree not arrest him and permit his transfer to an airport so he can be flown to Quito. So this is where the presidential limo would come in handy. Mm-hmm. He leaves the building right into the limo, which yeah. means they can't really fuck with the limo, which right. would get him to the airport, take him right to the plane, he'd get on the plane and take the fuck off, and then they right. couldn't do anything. Okay, the UK could agree... Okay, we already read that. But the UK has long flagged its intention to arrest him for breaching his bail and isn't showing any signs of backing down. In response to in response to the Ecuador's latest move to seek mediation, a UK government spokesman said, the government of Ecuador knows that the way to resolve this issue is for Assange to leave the embassy to face justice. The other option is that he is deported to Australia, Professor Rothwell said. This option would involve Mr. Assange leaving the Ecuadorian embassy, being arrested by the UK police, and prosecuted for breaching his bail conditions. Under that scenario, he could be subject to a short period of incarceration in a UK jail, Professor Rothwell said. Do we have to end every fucking sentence with that? Yes. We know it's Professor Rothwell. Very clear. We've made it clear the last nine times I had to read his name. He would then be considered to have breached UK law in violation of his immigration status and, as an Australian citizen, be deported back to Australia, Professor Rothwell said. I added that one in. If he was deported to Australia, could he still be sent to the US? The US has never laid charges or sought his arrest for the publication of classified documents relating to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan on the WikiLeaks website. However, 
Senior government office holders have been highly critical of Mr. Assange in the past, and he continues to fear prosecution. Any mediated deal between Ecuador and the U.K. would likely have to address Mr. Assange's concerns. But, Professor Rothwell said there were limits in what assurances Mr. Assange can be given. That is a very difficult matter for an Australian government official to deal with, given there is no formal extradition request that has been made by the United States to Australia, he said. If such a request was to be made, it would be have to be dealt with by the normal procedures, which could ultimately see the matter go before the courts. Hmm. That's recent, like a few days ago. Article. So, I don't know. So what was the very first thing that, that WikiLeaks uh, brought out? What was the first thing they leaked? Uh, do you remember? That was a while ago. Let's do... Because I'm kind of curious on this whole CIA thing. Yeah. All right. Let's go to... WikiLeaks and find out because they were started how long ago? Its website initiated in 2006 in Iceland with Bjork. Whoop whoop! By the organization Sunshine Press claims a database of 10 million document, documents in 10 years since its launch. Julian Assange, an Australian internet activist, is generally described as its founder, editor in chief, and director. The group has released a number of prominent document dumps, early releases including documentation of equipment expenditures and holdings in the Afghanistan war, and a report informing a corruption investigation in Kenya. In April 2010, WikiLeaks released the so-called collateral murder footage from the July 12, 2007 Baghdad airstrike in which Iraqi journalists were among those killed. Other releases in 2010 include the Afghan war diary and the Iraq war logs. The latter allowed the mapping of 109,032 deaths and significant attacks by insurgents in Iraq that had been reported to multinational force Iraq, including about 15,000 that had not been previously published. In 2010, WikiLeaks also released the U.S. State Department diplomatic cables, classified cables that had been sent to the U.S. State Department. In April 2011, WikiLeaks began publishing 779 secret files relating to the prisoners detained in the Guantanamo Bay detention camp. Okay. So and then it goes on 2016 U.S. presidential campaign with the DNC, Podesta emails, all this shit. Yeah, I knew about the Podesta. And so, uh, the purpose of WikiLeaks, according to the WikiLeaks website, its goal is to bring important news and information to the public. One of our most important activities is to publish original source material alongside our news stories, so readers and historians alike can see evidence of the truth. Another of the organization's goals is to ensure that journalists and whistleblowers are not prosecuted for emailing sensitive or classified documents. The online Dropbox is described by the WikiLeaks website as an innovative, secure, and anonymous way for sources to leak information to WikiLeaks journalists. I wonder how you become a WikiLeaks journalist. Some describe WikiLeaks as a media or journalistic organization. For example, in a 2013 resolution, the International Federation of Journalists, a trade union of journalists, called WikiLeaks a new breed of media organization that offers important opportunities for media organizations. Um, I think organization is spelled wrong. It looks yeah. weird to me. Yeah, Should that was Z? Yeah, I think it's a Z, <laughs> not a fucking... Fucking Wikipedia. Um, well, this could have been... You know, Wikipedia is added by so many other people. It yeah. could be somebody there, like, 
English isn't their first language, so they... Right, well, this is from Islam, Islamabad. Islamabad. Um, <laughs> Bjork. Yeah, Bjork. Iceland. Bjork. Icelandabad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Potential criminal prosecution financing. Oh, yeah, how do they get their financing? Not-for-profit organization funded largely by volunteers, and it is dependent on public donations. Its main financing methods include conventional bank transfers and online payment systems. According to Assange, WikiLeaks lawyers often work pro bono. Assange has said that in some cases, legal aid has been donated by media organizations such as the Associated Press, the Los Angeles Times, and the new, new National Newspaper Publishers Association. Interesting. I have never donated to them, have you? I have not ever donated to such a cause. All right, here's the leaks. Well, I already covered these, I think. So, it's not like they started leaking stuff on the CIA, but they leaked stuff that maybe the CIA would only know. Right. That's what I was trying to get to, to find out if he actually was dumping CIA information. Well, he did. Remember he did the Vault 7 thing? No. Hang on. We'll get there. Vault 7. This was like real recent. Is that the vault inside a vault inside a vault inside a vault inside a vault? Probably. Here we go. 2017. On February 16, 2017, WikiLeaks released a purported report on CIA espionage orders marked as no foreign. For the 2012 French presidential election, the order called for details of party funding, internal rivalries, and future attitudes toward the United States. The AP noted that the orders seemed to represent standard Intelligent intelligence gathering. On March 7, 2017, WikiLeaks started publishing content code name Vault 7 and a series of tweets and a Facebook Live plus Periscope press conference. WikiLeaks announced these documents contain CIA internal documentation of their massive arsenal of hacking tools, including malware, virus, tro- trojax, weaponized zero day exploits, and remote control systems, to name a few. So there's that. And then it goes on. There's yeah. tons of shit. I mean, you probably spend years just looking at everything on WikiLeaks. Um, I always found the whole Seth Rich thing interesting. WikiLeaks has promoted conspiracy theories about the murder of Seth Rich, unfounded conspiracy theories spread by some right-wing figures and media outlets that hold or hold that Rich was the source of leaked emails and was killed for working with WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks fueled the conspiracy theories by offering a reward of $20,000 for information leading to the capture of Rich's killer and hinting that Rich may have been the source of the leaked emails. No evidence supports the claim that Rich was the source of the leaks. The Guardian wrote that WikiLeaks had, along with individuals and groups on the right, on the hard right, been involved in the ruthless exploitation of Rich's death for political purposes. The executive director of the Sunlight Foundation, an organization that advocates for open government, was critical of WikiLeaks' fueling of conspiracy theories surrounding the murder of Seth Rich. On the death of Staffer, that's just, that's kind of, on the death of Staffer, that's just to me so far over the line. If they feel like they have a link to the Staffer's death, they should say it and be responsible about it. The insinuations to me are just disgusting. I don't speak English good, so you write what you say, I say what you do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is exactly like the thought process. The Jesus Christ, moron. that was terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's also interesting. Mm-hmm. So, 
So who? How did Seth Rich die? He was, he was robbed. Oh, that's and right. He during, was the one that was robbed, and nothing was missing during the robbery. He was shot, but yet his wallet was there. Everything still in his wallet. That's right. You know, that's not a robbery. Then, you know what I mean? I'm going to rob you. Let me shoot you. Not take anything. They shot him and got scared. Seth Rich is an interesting case, and how come we've never discussed that one? Oh, um, yeah, that's one we can discuss at some point. That's a that's a, probably a good one. There's that. Uh, who's that lady that uh, Donna Brazil? I'm sure this Ooh. is buried. False. Snopes says false. <laughs> uh, uh, Snopes says unconfirmed, which means it's true. I'm surprised it's not even up there. Um, interesting. Uh, supposedly in her book she... All right, Donna Brazil questioned if Seth Rich Rich's death involved Russians or his race. Oh, God. Not what I was looking for at all. What race was he in? 5K? Jesus Christ. It's all so damn stupid. That's <laughs> why I'm throwing it out Why there. do they have to make everything about race? I don't understand. Was he, was he black? Seth Rich? No, he was white. Oh. Loving these websites. Lace music and shit behind everything. It sounds like X-Files shit. Yeah. Oh, was that him? I just there. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was him. Okay. Saying it was him. Yep. Um. Hang on. Let's see what this is. Lawsuit demands Donna Brazil tell all about Seth Rich shooting. She does talk about it in her book. I just don't know if I want to. Buy the goddamn Don't book say, do you have the book? No. Hmm. If this okay, if this were a random murder, why did she fear for her own life? That's a valid question. All right, um, legit man, too legit to quit up on that bitch. The Washington lawyer who's been on the hunt for slain DNC staffer Seth Rich's killer and is suing the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton for allegedly rigging the 2016 presidential primary against Bernie Sanders is now going after another high-powered Democrat, Donna Brazil. Brazil knows the truth about Rich's mystery death attorney and Republican lobbyist Jack Berkman contends. As WND reported, Berkman filed a lawsuit on October 18th against the Democratic National Committee and scandal-ridden, twice-failed Democrat, Democrat presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton in D.C. Superior Court. The complaint is seeking financial compensation for Sanders supporters who contributed to the Vermont Senator's campaign by donating to the DNC. Berkman is also demanding the release of the DNC email server, which contained troves of Clinton campaign and DNC emails that were published by whistleblower organization WikiLeaks. Berkman amended the suit Tuesday to include Donna Brazil, the former interim DNC chief, amid bombshell revelations she makes in her book. There, she claims the DNC conspired to ensure Hillary Clinton won the primary over Bernie Sanders. Alright, it's not letting me scroll because we have to fucking lay so much bullshit behind the fucking everything. 
She also explains that she was frightened following the July 10th, 2016 unsolved murder of Rich. In fact, she dedicated the book to Rich, whom she calls a patriot. Rich, 27, was the DNC's voter expansion data director. He had accepted a position with Clinton's campaign just before his death. In the summer of 2016, in the heat of a highly contentious presidential campaign, Rich was fatally shot in the back in Washington, D.C., near his apartment in an affluent neighborhood. Rich had been working for the DNC at a time when emails from the organization were provided to WikiLeaks for the publication. The series of emails revealed that high-ranking DNC officials and the Clinton team sabotaged Sanders' candidacy, used racist, anti-gay, and sexist slurs when referring to constituents, and were engaged in bizarre occult rituals. All right. The Metropolitan Police Department and Washington Mayor Muriel Bowers insist Rich was randomly killed during a botched robbery, but others are doubtful because he was found with his wallet, credit cards, and other valuables. Mm -hmm. That was botched robbery. Brazil writes that she was haunted by the still-unsolved murder of DNC data staffer Seth Rich and feared for her own life, shutting the blinds to her office window so snipers could not see her and installing surveillance cameras at her home, the Washington Post reported. She wonders whether Russians had placed a listening device in plants in the DNC executive suite. Jesus Christ. So she is maintaining this whole Russian bullshit, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Prior to replacing... Debbie Wasserman Schultz as DNC chief in July amid the email leaks. Brazil was a CNN contributor and a Hillary for America donor and was caught providing Clinton with questions that would later be asked of Clinton at a televised CNN town hall. Okay, I remember that. Remember that? That's when I was basketball earlier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brazil denied... No, that's a different one. Oh, okay. We were talking about the the girl. The girl, yeah. There were several... Incidences where she was given oh, no questions shit. beforehand, and the what? whole the whole thing with the little girl was the whole the whole thing was scripted event. Yeah, this was um, one of those debates or whatever. It was a town hall. Trump was oh, there and all this right. shit. But she got the question in advance that this person was going to be asking it. What a cunt! Uh, Brazil denied leaking the question to Clinton in an interview with Fox News before the election, but in a March 17, 2017 column for Time magazine, she finally admitted doing so, saying it was a mistake I will forever regret. So, she's a liar, mm-hmm. which makes makes me start to wonder how legit is the shit in her book. You know what I mean? Uh, the release of the server and the discovery phase of the lawsuit would shed light on who killed Rich Berkman, who established the independent profiling project to solve the rich murder told WND. Brazil has provided incomplete information about what she knows, Berkman argues, but filing a lawsuit will force Brazil to say what she knows under oath. No. She can still plead the fifth, can't she? She can plead the fifth, and you can lie. I mean, I understand, oh, they said this under oath. Yeah, but there's tons of people that lie under oath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at O.J. Simpson. Word. Sorry. Uh, if this were a random murder like police have maintained, why did Ms. Brazil fear for her own life? He asked. Brazil can clearly also offer critical information about what role the DNC had in Hillary Clinton's primary win. Brazil has openly admitted to liability in her book. She has admitted that she and others rigged the Democratic primaries in favor of Hillary Clinton. We are, therefore, expanding our complaint to include her. More importantly, she is now openly suggesting that DNC may have killed Seth. Her comment that she felt compelled to draw her blinds and avoid the window is one of the most striking comments in modern American political history. Yes, very interesting, right? 
Berkman claims MPD officials are withholding key evidence from the public and obstructing the rich investigation for political purposes. He separately filed a lawsuit in May against the MPD, demanding the release of Rich's medical examiner's report, autopsy documents, and ballistics reports, documents that are typically made public during murder investigations. The profiling project concluded in June that Rich's murder was most likely committed by a hired killer or serial murderer because the crime scene was very organized to the point of being sanitized. See, it's not botched if it's sanitized. It's not a botched robbery because they didn't take anything. They didn't even attempt to take anything. It's it was staged. All it, it was, was staged, a, dude. Yeah, a hired killer or serial murderer because yeah. the crime scene was very organized to the point of being sanitized. Yeah, why See, would you I don't, sanitize I don't, it? I don't buy the serial murder bullshit though. No, no, that was a hired hitman. Yeah, Berkman is offering one hundred five thousand, and WikiLeaks is offering a twenty thousand dollar reward for information leading to the arrest of Rich's killer. One American news network offered up $100,000, the Metropolitan Police Department $25,000, and a businessman and investor, Martin Shkreel? Shkreely. 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 Give me some dollars. See, you can literally make one, two, three hundred and sixty thousand. Twenty, forty, five, fifty. Three hundred and fifty thousand dollars if you just find the person that did it, get them arrested, and, and collect all this money. Hillary. I mean, she could probably use three hundred fifty thousand, but she'd also go to jail. So that's, she's the one who did it. She didn't do it, but I think she's definitely she's behind, it. behind it. She ordered she it, yeah, or somebody maybe Podesta, one of them. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the DNC, however, has offered no reward to help find the killer of its staffer. Interesting, which means you're probably mm-hmm. guilty. Instead, the DNC honored its murdered employee by dedicating a bike rack outside oh its God. headquarters in Rich's memory. Here's a bike rack for what you, Bonnie. What a fucking slap in the face. You died. Here's a bike rack. Oh, my God. All right. Rich's story has been largely ignored by establishment media. Those who have called attention to the suspicious circumstances surrounding the murder have been branded conspiracy theorists, including Fox News host Sean Hannity. Yet WikiLeaks' Julian Assange, in an August 2016 interview, appeared to suggest that Rich was one of his sources. The latest DNC email released by WikiLeaks was dated May 18, 2016, just weeks before Rich was murdered. In May, a private investigator alleged in an interview with WND that Brazil called police and Rich's family demanded to know why uh, A, the private (laughs) eye, was snooping into Rich's death. The investigator, Rod Wheeler, was hired by the Rich family in March to find the DNC staffer's murderer, but was sent a cease and desist order by the family in May. Wheeler told WND that he was appalled. The Rich family changed their mind about his investigation only after Brad Bauman, a Democratic political crisis consultant, was assigned to represent the Rich family. Well, there you go. No, they got big settlement money. It's a shut the fuck up money. Yeah. Don't talk about this. Don't. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I don't know if is there enough to do its own episode on Seth Rich. Uh, I do find it all interesting. I wouldn't be opposed to looking into it more. Because I'm sure there's a lot more little details and stuff. Yeah. Go to YouTube, kind of how we broke down Las Vegas and all that. I'm sure if we dove into it, we could probably do so, a whole episode on just that. That 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 picture of the black chick, that's the Brazil chick then? Yeah, yeah. Down in Brazil. I went for a book on Audible. Uh, let's have a look-see. I got, I got some free... Uh, Fucking books on Audible. Might might get on Audible. On Brazil book. Audible. Um, 
the fuck is her book called, even? I'm a giant whore. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not what it's called. <laughs> I'm a giant whore by Donna Roosevelt. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go to Amazon. By way of clicking the banner, of course. But of course. And let's see if we can, because that usually links to Audible. Audible from there, yeah. So let's put in Donna Brazile. Hacks. It's oh, called it's called Hacked. Hacked. Or Hacks. Hacks. The inside Audible. story of the break-ins and breakdowns that put Donald Trump in the White House. Audible. Got it right there. Where? Oh, yeah. Down right there. Boom. Audio edition. Free with Audible trial. Well, I've got Audible. Well, you can get it for free for get your trial. Trial and you listen to that shit for free. Who who reads it? Who's narrating it? God, I better not be her. I'm Donna Brazil. <laughs> I'm going to read my book. <laughs> play the audio sample. Uh, where is it? Left-hand side. Little fucking play button. Oh, yeah. Here we go. I'm excited. <laughs> Several decades later, I suddenly yeah. was asked to serve again as interim chair Oprah? on the eve of the Democratic Convention in July 2016. Just until she won in November. I couldn't say no. But I wanted to. Baby. I had promised myself after I managed Al Gore's campaign in 2000. Baby, I'm finna make you some biscuits and gravy. Chit, it gonna break my heart. All right, we're being racist now. No, we ain't. We just, we just talking what she's saying. We can't do that because we're white. We're privileged white males, Dave. But I was born in Africa. <laughs> like Josh Blue. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, you forget, son. Political hacks should have been the title, is what somebody's saying. Yeah, four four stars up on that bitch. Mm. It's getting uh, oh. three point seven out of five stars. Mm. We got there, got three. <laughs> Poor Pinocchio. Folks, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she's a liar. Mm. Yeah, you got some twos on the left or on the right hand side. I got some twos nice. up in there. This book is not written from an objective historical perspective. More propaganda. Now we know why she lost. More propaganda and a little about hacking. Good insider's view. Five stars. Very good book. More evidence that the Clintons and their surrogates were expecting a coronation. Hillary Clinton can never be trusted. Duh. Um, Five. Worthwhile weed. Yay. I don't know. I'd be curious to like read it, but yeah, I don't think I'm going to spend any money on it. Yeah, Audible. Do you have Audible? Uh, I don't know, dude. Dude, you get free for Audible trial, bro. Well, that's what it's saying right there. But, I mean, you have to use, like, a different email. I've I've done it once before for one uh, a book. Uh, so I'd have to use a new, like, and start a new account. Because uh, I definitely wouldn't want to spend any money on it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to. Maybe you can get half-price books for super-duper cheap. Maybe. The cheapest you can get on Amazon right now is nine fifty. Not fee. But you know what? If people are interested, they could just you know go click the banner, com and then uh, send it to us for free. Yeah, you could send it to us. Yeah, we'll we'll read it and tell you what we think. <laughs> or you can read it and then send it to us. Yeah, so it's kind of like regifting. Regift that hack. It's a life hack. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't Pay know. it forward, mother um, bitches. Cooking with grease. <laughs> She wrote another book called Cooking with Grease, Stirring the Pots in America. Oh, dear God. <laughs> wow. It's good times. That's terrible. 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 Burr. 
are we better off? Race, obey me in public policy. Obey me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Who the fuck knows? It's all so damn stupid. Oh, what the fuck's going on here? I don't want that. Or do I? I don't know. Would it be? Would it British be? British ambassador just free UK authorities can't touch him. Oh, this is just... Let's see what this is. Oh, fucking it's do only it a minute to long. It. Do it to it. Oh, wait. That's the ad. We can skip the ad in 30 seconds. Do, do, do. What if... And I'll tell you, this could happen. What is this? I don't have this is the ad. He says, I'll give you health care. I'll give you health care. It's... Blagojevich. FBI wiretap of J.B. Pritzker and Rob Blagojevich. And, uh... Okay, no one cares. Greetings, citizens of the world. Former British Ambassador Craig Murray says that since Ecuador has granted Julian Assange citizenship he should be free to legally leave the UK without fear of prosecution or detention. Following Assange's naturalization, the British Foreign Office has denied granting diplomatic status to the whistleblower. Craig Murray has disputed the British Foreign Office's dismissal of a request from the Ecuadorian government to grant Julian Assange diplomatic status. The Ecuadorian government has every right to appoint Assange, now an Ecuadorian citizen, as an Ecuadorian diplomat if it so chooses. Ecuador cannot tell the UK who may or may not be a British diplomat, and the converse applies, Murray wrote on his website. The diplomat, however, underscored that he has no knowledge that Ecuador ever notified Assange as a member of the diplomatic staff of its mission. In order to back up his assumption, Murray referred to the Vienna Convention on Diplomatic Relations, a treaty outlining a framework for diplomatic relations between countries, including the basis for diplomatic immunity. Here is the key point. A member of staff below head of mission can already have entered the country before appointment, and their diplomatic immunity starts from the moment their appointment is notified, and not from the moment it is accepted, he wrote, citing the document. The diplomat also pointed out that if Ecuador notified the British government of Assange as a member of diplomatic staff the UK could have refused it only by declaring Assange persona non grata. That does not remove his diplomatic immunity which started the moment he was notified. It continues until he has been given the chance to leave the country in a reasonable time, Murray explained. The Ecuadorian Foreign Ministry confirmed on Thursday granting naturalization to WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange upon his request issued in September. The ministry also said that Assange would not leave the embassy in London as there are no security guarantees. Ecuador also requested diplomatic status for Assange, but the UK Foreign and Commonwealth Office spokesperson said that Britain had dismissed the request. Assange has been living in the Ecuadorian embassy in the British capital since being given political asylum in 2012. In 2010, Swedish authorities began an investigation into rape allegations against the whistleblower, who resisted being questioned in Sweden for fear that he might be extradited to the United States over WikiLeaks exposure of classified documents. Now wouldn't you think if you're going to leak that shit you'd be worried about getting arrested anyways? Like he must have, like when he released that, he had no plans of coming to the United States ever again at that point. Well, he wasn't a U.S. citizen. I don't think he. Well, I know he wasn't a U.S. citizen, but he, like just a, like I'm going to Ireland. I'm not an Ireland, Irish citizen. I'm just going to fucking visit. Like he doesn't want to ever come to the U.S. I don't think he gives a fuck visit. about coming to the United States. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not everybody wants to come here. I mean, but it's land free. 
yeah, American dream and shit. He <laughs> the, remember that we read that article or the yeah. uh, thing where he was against the U.S. and because it's corrupt. Yo, fuck yeah. And that's part of the reason why he started WikiLeaks to expose all that, which makes sense because if you're the good portion of the CIA and you're trying to, um, like expose the bad parts of the U.S. government and all that, that's what you would do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I buy the whole thing with him being with the CIA and starting this, but you never know. It's not completely out of the realm. It, it, this whole deep state shit, it's also it's all black budget shit. You don't know about most yeah. of it. You know what I mean? And you don't know who's who and what's what. It's one of those like uber mystery novels that what you think is one thing isn't what it is. You know what I mean? Right. It's right. like deep and dark and mysterious. I don't know. So he's free. I guess. They can't touch him, but, I mean, where the fuck does he go? What's he going to do? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. What's next, I guess, is the the question for Julian Asang. Asangy. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's it. <laughs> I say we do one on Seth Rich sometime soon. Okay. Because, um... You see, they're making a completely different subject, but I just thought of it just now. But they're making a uh, movie on Waco. Oh yeah, yeah. That'd be interesting to see how that if if they go with the official story, or if they go with the uh, non-official story. Pop it, mother bitch! I know it's not related, Excuse but me? I thought about it with Seth with the Seth, I almost said Seth Rogen. The um, Seth Rogen thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking about it with the Seth Rich, like of all the other murders and stuff that we've talked about. Um, yeah, there's a, a new one. This one? Yeah. Michael Shannon? Yeah, and uh, Taylor Kirsch. Who? I think it's his name, Taylor Kirsch. Oh, the Kitsch? Right here. Yeah, Taylor Kitsch, yeah. So That's... which one should I play? Let's um, play this one? Sure. Add? Yeah. We're going to get rid of this ad. It actually looks good, but it is the official version. Well, of course. I didn't honestly believe they would do a movie that wasn't. Taylor Kitsch. John Leguizamo. A yeah. six-part miniseries is what it is. Oh, is that what it is? I thought it was a movie. No. Oh. She is here. This is my family. may not be like your family, but you come pointing guns in the direction of my wives and my kids. My wives. I will meet you at the door any time what are you gonna do with that can't let this get out makes him look too normal the ups driver found a box of grenades headed for a religious group in waco texas their leader david koresh is a polygamist he's got a bunch of wives and children you've looked to me to be your leader but i'm a follower where god leads i go you cannot remove these people by force. The more you push them, the more they think it is a test of their faith. Get on the ground now! Please stop! There are women and children in here! Oh, it's coming up soon. Nothing scares the powers of being more than the people that don't need them. This is our time to prove through suffering. 
then we are worthy of the miracle that's to come. Such a crazy story, dude. I know. Big Brother wants to come in here and fight. We will fight back. Know it or not, you came here to be tested. And this is a test. Yeah. Six-part television event. Mom. What network, I wonder? Doesn't really say, does it? Uh, uh, like I said, I didn't even know it was on fucking network. I thought it was a movie, because it was at the theater last night. Oh, they actually showed it at the theater? Yeah, that's how I saw it. I don't fucking watch TV, so I wouldn't see it. Let's see if it says here what network that is. IMDb. We're going to find out if it's like NBC, ABC, CBS, Annie. Okay. TV miniseries. When's it going to air? The 24th comes out in a couple of days, real time. Yeah, yeah. Two days real time. Oh my god! Listener time. It was Way to last tell him. Month. Why to tell him everything, man? It's okay. Uh, doesn't, doesn't say. Doesn't so say what the channel. Fuck's it gonna, uh, I'm gonna watch it, but I have no idea <laughs> where it's gonna be played. At. ABC. Where do you see that? I don't. I was just guessing because Paramount and ABC are usually like tied together. Okay. We're gonna get the fucking dumb shit on the screen. Nothing. Fucking nothing. So yeah, go out and watch it on TV. Just find it somewhere. It's on a... uh, Check your local listing for times and channels. Let's Google it then, because now I'm getting irritated that you can't find what fucking network the goddamn show's gonna be on. (laughs) You're right, and just like organization. (laughs) Uh... I put television show, I guess, right there. That's the third one down. Oh, Spike and CMT. CMT and Spike. So it's Spike, basically. Spike Network, which is a all-dude channel. Yeah, it is. Fucking dudes, yeah. <laughs> White privilege. All right, well, anyways, go watch that. That's interesting. That's a nice little thing to kind of pair up to what we had. Uh, you want to go listen to the episode we did on Waco. We actually did a three-part series, right? Yeah. Went starting mm-hmm. with the, uh, um, what was it, the fucking... Oklahoma, and then the... Uh, Oklahoma was the, the was last the... one. Waco was the middle, and the first one was the, what the hell is Ruby the... Ridge. Ruby Ridge. I had to think of it. Ruby it Ridge, Ridge, something. Waco, Oklahoma. How they're all three connected. You can go listen to all of them. It's interesting. Yeah. That's for yeah. sure. Uh, so, yeah, I think that'll wrap this one for up. Shizzle. Um, I don't know. This whole thing with Assange being released, taking a deal, Trump uh, uh, thwarted the assassination plot and all that. I mean, I don't know. Because it's hard to find any information on it. It's yeah. like all that shit's just either buried or it's all bullshit. I don't know. And the weird thing is, like, I know we're never going to hear about it unless it actually happens on the news, but I'm surprised, to be honest, I'm surprised he hasn't been assassinated yet and there hasn't been an attempt on his life yet. I think there has, not like a major one, but has, let's ask, real quick. Has it been a black pope? Who the fuck would type that in? Uh, 
let's see, it says, June 18, 2016, Michael Stephen Sanford was arrested at a Donald Trump presidential campaign rally in Vegas after he failed to seize the pistol of a Las Vegas Metropolitan Police officer providing security for the event. At the time, Trump was the presumptive nominee for the Republican Party. So there's that one. I remember that. I don't... Yeah, he was. He told he was going to take the gun from the cop and then shoot Trump, and mm-hmm. didn't couldn't get the gun away from the cop. Um, it wouldn't matter. Trump always carried his gun. Remember, he had his gun. He was waving his gun around that one time. No, you remember that? Uh-uh. Yeah, one of the fucking debates or not debates, but one of his speaking tours. Guy was asking him about having a gun, and he pulled his gun out on the fucking thing. He's like, I carry my gun everywhere I go. Oh wow! Well, that's. How do you not know that? How do I know that? I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes weird things get past me, bro. Um, A homeless man whose family believed to have been friends of the Clintons has been arrested by police in Florida after producing a video in which he threatened to kill President-elect Donald Trump in his inauguration ceremony. Dominic Poop, 51, (laughs) was detained. (laughs) That's his last name, Poopalot. Poopalot. I don't know. So really, there hasn't been like anything, and, and yeah, we wouldn't ever know no, about it. And if it if it ever happens, alive. it will be just like the JFK thing, where no matter what, no matter how cut and dry it is, the official story, most people, aren't, a lot of people aren't going to believe it. They're going to think there's a conspiracy. It will start a fucking revolution, I think, or something. You know what I mean? Even if you blame it on ISIS or whatever shit, they can pull. Who knows? Is it going to happen? I don't know. Well, I'll just wait and see. But clearly they don't like what he's doing in this country. And I still don't understand why are so many people against the idea or concept of making America great again. (laughs) Like, I I understand he's outspoken. He says shit that people don't like. They want their president to be, uh, I guess, a little bitch like Obama. You know, uh, very um, prim and proper and all this. Mm -hmm. Well, you wanted change, though, and you didn't get your change with him. You're getting change, something different. So yeah. I still don't understand why some people are against it, or him. Just Regardless of the crazy shit he says, tweets, whatever. Is that not... Yeah, you wouldn't want me as president, because I may come across as like a firecracker. But if you're so tired of the same old shit, you now have something different. That's what you wanted. You now yeah. have it. They don't like him personally, and they they have no idea what he stands for politically what he's trying to do they just don't like him because of his tv show and i don't understand that that. either how do you not like him it seemed like he had a a lot of fans you say it that's all people think of him you say it that's all that's it that's a bad trump i don't do trump well that's beside the point though like it seemed like he had a, a huge following because of the tv show you if you remember back then even before the tv show all these, all these rappers were, were like talking, rapping about him, how badass he was, how right. they all wanted to be like Trump, and all this shit. And now all you see is rappers, how, how racist he is, and all. he's. I don't understand that. So why the flip? All of a sudden, you, you want to be him, you want to be around him, and now you're against him. But yet nothing's changed, other than the fact that he's president. He's never once come out and said, right. "I hate black people." I hate rap. He's never said any of that. And he's helped black communities in New York. Or if he didn't, you would have Jesse Jackson and uh, Lollipop Head out there fucking... Who's the other? Reverend... Uh, Al Sharpton. Al Sharpton. He looks like a fucking lollipop. <laughs> well, look at him. He looks like a lollipop. Anyways, you have them two guys out there saying how bad he was. 
Not yeah. a fucking peep from either one of those guys anything against Trump. You want to know why? Because he's helped fund their causes. Mm-hmm. But he's racist. Mm-hmm. It's the most asinine fucking thing in the world. And if he's so bad and hates black people, well, where the fuck are they? They're the first fucking people that will jump on anything against black people. So that's, I don't understand why, for one, any black person's against him. Because he helps their community. Right. Two, especially compared to Hillary, way more so than Hillary. Yeah, because Hillary tries to kill him. Yeah. Um, and then the whole Mexican thing with the, the border and all this shit, it's not just about keeping Mexicans out. Yes, he's made some things about, comments about uh, Mexico only sends us the bad ones and all that. Well, yes, there are a lot of probably good ones coming in here. But there's also a law. Where you want to come into this country and work and all this stuff, do it the legal way. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to sneak over? Just mm-hmm. do it the right way, and there wouldn't be an issue. Right. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't just go to any other country and say, well, here I am. Now give me a fucking job. It, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't work that way. Nowhere else in the world would allow it. Right. So why are we allowing it here? I don't understand that. I guess I can have this debate with somebody that fully believes that's okay but i don't i don't if, okay. if, if you're if you're hispanic or whatever race you are and you get offended by the fact that he says mexico only sends us the bad ones i mean i don't know it, get it's, over it, yourself it seems silly for one and i think a lot of what he says is to get the fucking media attention honestly i don't think he I don't. I don't. I guess I don't understand why we're so fucking like we want change, but we really don't want change. Is what it is in this country. We, we really want just change. Want, we don't want his change. We want a different. Change. No, no. We don't want change. We want the same old bullshit. Because if somebody actually goes out and says the truth, says what everybody's actually thinking, it's all fucking bullshit. Everybody has to act so you know politically correct now. Mm-hmm. We got to get political correctness out. We've been saying it for, for a long time years. on here. Political correctness is ruining this country. With po- political correctness, you can't have freedom of speech. Right. So I would rather have freedom of speech than pol- political correctness because Correct. you see what political correctness has done. Even people that are anti-Trump supporters will sit and bitch about these millennials and how they're a bunch of pussies and snowflakes. Well, your political correctness has created that. Mm-hmm. So get rid of the political correctness. You know what I mean? That's damn it. That's the answer. I forgot. We got Joy got a Christmas book, a bedtime stories, politically correct bedtime stories book. Oh god! As a like a this is going to infuriate me. A white it? elephant. I was going to bring it and and just make fun of it here, but I just keep forgetting it. So one of these days I'll bring it. Yeah, bring it. I want to see it. Yeah, I haven't even looked at it, but yeah. All right. Oh, well, all right. Well, let's then. go before you get more pissed off. You're getting right in the face. Yeah. Well, I get fired up. Yeah, you know. It's a good way to end the episode, I guess. Fuck you. Till next time.
please subscribe to the Detour Podcast Network on iTunes, and don't forget to rate and review while you're there. You can also download the Stitcher and Podbean app to your device for free and search Detour Podcast Network and subscribe. If you enjoy listening to the shows on the Detour Podcast Network, spread the word to everyone you know. Your word of mouth is our best advertising method, and we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Do you do shopping online? Well, do us a favor and go to d2rpn.com and click our Amazon banner and help out the network. It's going to cost you nothing extra. We get a percentage back from everything that you buy. And uh, you know what? That would be a win-win-win. It's a win for you, win for the network, and a win for Amazon. Um, Great prices, uh, everyday savings, and uh, you get what you want, and you're helping us out. So this is kind of like donating, but you get something out of it. It's great. Um, So go do it, d2rpn.com. There's banners everywhere on the website. Thanks for your support. Hey, fellas. Does your beard itch? Does your beard not grow in all the way? Go to phoenixbeardoils.com today. We've got great beard oils with sensual love. We also include the emotional healing properties and the aromatherapy information with each scent. Go to phoenixbeardoils.com today and give someone the bird. D2R Podcast Network Hotline, USA Chat 311. That's 872-242-8311. If you call and we're recording, we'll take your call live on the air. If you call and we're not recording, leave a voicemail with your name, the show you're calling for, and we'll play it live on the next show. The hotline is open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Once again, the D2R Podcast Network Hotline, USA Chat 311. That's 872-242-8311. Call today!